Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host today only, but here regularly, Michael Grothy. Hi, everyone. I'm standing in for Ben, who is out of town. He's on the chat, though. So if you are uh, didn't know this, we now do this show live uh, on our YouTube channel. And Ben Bateman is traveling today, but he was able to make it into the chat. So he'll be moderating the chat and hanging out with people there um, for at least part of it while I do that as well, which is why I might be looking at my computer at different times. But otherwise, uh, yeah, you can check this out live on our YouTube channel. You can also watch a video version of it on our YouTube channel. And for people that don't know, this is our Ravnica Allegiance set review part two. That's what we're talking about. Yep. You excited? Ravnica Allegiance cards. You excited? I am excited. I'm looking at the list and I know that there's like, I keep scrolling through here and I'm seeing cards that like, I know Ben is excited about from the set and sure. I like feel a little bad that, I can be the Ben hype train. Okay. If you can be the Alex Kessler strategy train. Okay. Okay. But only for the Ben cards. But only for the Ben cards. Okay. Okay. Cool. You hear that, Ben? I have to be positive and excited That's about right. Simic Ascension. Which oh. isn't on your list, but we played with it over the weekend, so we'll probably talk about that first. I'm going to do that now. But first, before we do that, make sure you follow us on Twitter. I am at the MCast. Uh, I am at Kess Wiley. I am at a Dudard, D-U-D-A-R-D-D. Uh, I don't tweet much. But he'll but interact with you if you tweet at him. You're you welcome should tweet to follow at him. him. You're welcome to follow uh, me if you want. And make sure to follow our sister podcast, The Command Zone. They do awesome commander content. We are all at collected.company. Um, we do, they do also game nights, which you probably are all familiar with because they're super famous in the Magic community. But uh, yeah, they do awesome content there. And we're the modern-focused version of their stuff when we're here in this podcast room. Yep. Cool. All right. So, first card, Simic Ascendancy. Now, I'll tell the, I'll regale stories of Ben Bateman's life at the pre-release. He won with Simic Ascendancy in his deck. He won his final matches, both going to 20 counters on it and getting the you win clause on it. Uh, the only games I lost the entire weekend were two Simic Ascendancy, and then I dropped. So, I went 2-0-2-0-0-2 drop. And it was because that card is very good in limited. I don't know if it's good enough for standard, but it has a I win clause that's pretty easy to do good things with. There I are think, decks that do that. Yeah, I mean, Ben was interested in the card because not for standard or even limited. I think that once he like saw how easy it was to win in limited, he was like thinking of the enablers you have access to in modern and thinking like, how easy is it to win with it in modern? So he was thinking, you know, hardened scales. He was thinking, you know, like cards you play with hardened scales. Constrictor, a bunch of modular Winding creatures. Winding constrictor, yeah, like modular creatures stuff. Creatures that have XX and their casting cost. When uh, they play, you get servant counters. of the scale, which is like the arc-bound worker that costs one green and you sure. can put the counter on anything. Scrounging bandar, which like is a 2-2 two, two for 2 that lets you move counters around sure. from it to other stuff. So he was just like thinking about it. So yeah. we'll give the Ben perspective. I don't think that that sounds very powerful. Well, but, but there is a hardened scales deck and having a win condition that maybe wins through creature destruction, like as a sideboard card in that deck is something that I wouldn't could be playable. And then on top of it, just as a mana sink to put a bunch of counters on things, it's fine. Uh, 
but yeah, I, I don't. I mean, people with you. are boarding in disenchants if you're hardened scales, so it's not like it's a resilient post board sure. threat. Like, it's not. People are bringing different. in whatever artifact and/or enchantment destruction they have to destroy your. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is specific against artifacts, so they might get around. It's true. I mean, if people are boarding in a bunch of ancient grudges against you, you're going to be able to maybe win off your enchantment through the ancient grudges. Like, if I were to pick a card type that is hardest to kill in modern, it's enchantment. It's true. I just think that, like, if you're playing Jund and you're, like, boarding in Phyrexian Arena or something against the mirror, you're like, your opponent isn't going to be bringing in, you know whatever enchantment hate is in their sideboard, nature's claim or whatever, because they're not expecting you to bring in Phyrexian Arena. But if you're hardened scales and you're bringing in an enchantment, your opponent is like already bringing in nature's claim, easy money. And so then they like splash damage your sideboard card, which feels bad. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I don't know. I mean, I also, (laughs) I also was like, Ben, but what about blood hollows? And that got him thinking, I think, because he's a big blood hollows fan. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Hardened Scales, Simic Ascendancy, I think there's definitely like a fun deck there. Maybe there's a good deck there. I don't know if it's better than Hardened Scales, but I am not very confident. What are you doing? Change the lighting a little bit. Oh, got there it. You go. Cool. We're a little yellow. Okay. I don't know if that did anything. But yep, yeah, cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, next card. Because uh, Ben will talk about that card when he comes back. Yep, no I'm sure. We're going to hear about that card for a long time. Once he gets his teeth into a card... We talk about it a lot, specifically like that brainstorm guy. What's the guy that brainstorms and taps and is not good? I don't what? know. From Cold Snap, your favorite set ever printed. Oh, God. I'm talking about Cold Snap <laughs> cards right now. Uh, next one is Hero of Precinct 1. Yeah. Reading the cards. You have to read what it does. Oh, yeah. This is your job okay. here. Got to click it on my phone. Yep. So this is a 2-2 two, two for 2, 1 and a white, Human Warrior. Whenever you cast a multicolored spell, create a 1-1 white human creature token. So first off, things to pay attention to. It's a human. It is a uh, human. Which is always a relevant thing. Another thing to kind of pay attention to on this card, I think, is that, you know, this is doing a young pyromancer imitation, and is it better to get that off of playing creature spells that are gold versus instants and sorceries? Well, it's any multicolored spell. So you can get it off of, say, a... You know, it doesn't have to be a creature. It could be like a. I'm trying to think of a cool hybrid card you could play. Right. I, I, my, my point is more. My point is more. <laughs> Kitchen Finks. Well, that's yes. a creature too. But yeah. Golgan's right. Command. Cor- yeah. There's yeah. a bunch of spells that are gold that are good with it. But the thing that you lose from not being able to get triggers off of single color spells, you get from being able to cast a gold creature. And there is a ton of powerful modern playable gold creatures out there. So, like, curving this into a Kitchen Finks, into a. Now I'm going to set six Wilt colors. Wilt Leaf Liege. Wilt Leaf yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, the green-white Wilt Leaf Liege decks, this might be interesting in, because you're playing, like, Voice of Resurgences and Kitchen Finks and Wilt Leaf Liege, and Wilt Leaf Liege encourage you to play a lot of, like, multicolored creatures in mm-hmm. your aggro deck, and this is, like, a card that you play on turn two and is, like, pretty aggressive if you're following it up with multicolored creatures, and it, like, kind of demands an answer right away. Right. And, and not to mention that Wilt Leaf Liege, even though it wants you to play multicolored creatures because then it gives it plus two, plus two to those creatures, right. giving a bunch, an army of one, one tokens plus one, plus one is a tried and true way to kill a person. Right. And, I mean, I think the human creature type, unless there's, like, some other version of humans that starts running around that's, like, not using Aether Vial and maybe also playing more multicolored humans for some reason. I mean, humans is like, 
in the main board at least is only playing like Reflector Mage and Mantis Rider as yeah. like multicolored cards and Meddling Mage, which is like not a lot, and you're not casting them a lot of the time anyway. You're putting them in with Aether Vial. Sure. So, but there's there's a version of there are a lot of good multicolor like you know, both of those cards are great examples of cards that do well with this card. Like yeah. and you can lean that deck towards something that's trying to trigger this more often. Yeah, I mean a lot of like I, I just don't think that like an aether vial deck is where this is at its best because you're not casting as Agreed. many creature spells. Agreed. And but like, most creatures it's awkward decks in collected company decks because like you are putting it into playoff collected company and that's cool, but like collected company is like spending a lot of your mana on a key turn where like you could be playing one or more multicolored creature spells. You yeah. Know? I, mean, I think almost like a counters company deck almost likes it a little bit more. Maybe like a, a, a junk hate bears deck where you're playing abs and three colors yeah. that like are more leaning into it. And then you also get abrupt decay or assassin's trophy that trigger this or you get, you yeah. know, that kind of deck sounds more interesting or even like moving towards like a black white tokens deck where you get triggers off of this off of Soren, you get triggers off of this off of Colgan's command. Yeah, I mean it it definitely looks like young pyromancer and it is interesting because it fits better into a deck that like pinches your opponent's removal more, right? So like a lot of times in young pyromancer decks, it's like young pyromancer and delver, young pyromancer and thing in the ice and then like a big pile of spells, which are good with those cards. But the thing is, that means you have eight creatures in your deck, and your opponent, if they have a lot of removal, are just going to be able to kill all your creatures easily, including your young Pyromancer. And this is a card where it's like, you're playing other creatures with it, potentially. And so, like, this is a threat that your opponent must deal with on turn two, and then that makes maybe your three drop, or your four drop, or your, you know, other creatures less likely to get killed. Which is interesting about Mm -hmm. it. And it, it's having success in standard. I mean, obviously it's early because the set hasn't even officially released yet, but it's been online yeah. on Arena and Moto for a week now. And I've seen quite a few like Bant lists that are playing this with like Tristani Discordant and um, you know, uh Hydroid Crasis and stuff and Dovin Bond. Mm-hmm. And then I've also seen like standard lists that are even like Naya or Jeskai playing this guy with like because there's a lot of good multicolored spells, and if you're looking to like be an aggressive or tempo-y deck... Right. I mean, playing this into Night of Autumn, into like in Standard is good, and that's just as good in, sm- in Modern. Yeah, like, I mean, I there, I think there that well. there can be like... And there's like, there's even... Three-color mid-range decks that right. could be interested in this. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's like a must-answer two-drop, which is something that's very valuable in modern, I think. I mean, Tarmogoy for a long time was king because it was a two-drop that could just run away with the game if your opponent didn't mm-hmm. kill it. And this is the same thing, except it spreads it across multiple right. bodies. It, removal spells become much worse. Like, I can see a junk deck, just like classic Abzan, tra- playing this with Siege Rhino, playing this with... Yeah, you, know, you just have to like... Or instead of Tarmogoy, this does a lot of work. Yeah, you just have to be like building your deck in a weird way to have a critical mass of multicolored cards and maybe there isn't a deck that's there yet, but I think this is a right. card. I don't think you'd like like playing Kitchen Finks, Night of Autumns, Siege Rhinos, Abrupt Decays, Assassin's Trophies, and this is like a lot and that deck could there's probably gold cards like Selesnia Charm or something that like are decent enough to make it in that deck to go there. Selesnia Charm, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Chills and Enchantment makes it 2-2 and what? Plus 2, plus 2? It gives a creature plus 2, plus 2 and trample. It exiles a creature with power 4 or greater and it makes a (laughs) 2-2. There are worse things to cast. doesn't do all those things. It does one of those things. Right, right. I mean, I guess like other charms. Or Dramoka's Command. Dramoka's Command Command is is a better better version of Selesnia Charm, I would say. Um, And then there's, there's, 
even the new death like target creature gets plus one plus one in death touch hybrid or you get a mediocre in maelstrom pulse like obviously not wonderful but if you have this creature in play you get the one one token plus you give the guy death touch and then you it's a half yeah, well that's what i was spell. trying to think of cool hybrid cards well, which i think brings us to our next card it does cool hybrid cards that you could play I oh no it's, it's no. not our next card but it's like next three card down. Is gold oops <laughs> earlier there was a good transition but we got distracted hydrid crisis is our next card yes X the card green. that people are playing or with X, X, that last green. card in standard yep read it you gotta read the card oh i'm reading it you're the guy who reads I'm the cards reading it it is a uh <clears throat> jellyfish hydra beast uh x blue green when you cast this spell you gain half x life and draw half x cards round down each time Flying Trample enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, and it's a zero zero because you it enters with the counters. Right. So what's your worst? You, what's your worst case scenario? You cast it for three, and I know you cast it. I mean, I guess worst case scenario is you getting a three mana one one Flying Trample uh, that draws you zero Rounds cards. Down. And yeah, yeah. So you want to cast That's it for pretty four? Bad. So you get a four <laughs> mana two two flyer that draws you one card and gains you one life. And gains you one life. Which is pretty bad. Yes. I think that this is a card that is going to be a defining card for standard because it is it gains you life against aggro and it's obviously great against control because it has a cast trigger that right. draws you cards. And you're like playing this for six to get get a four four and draw two gain two, or mm-hmm. you're playing it for eight to get a six six, draw two gain draw three, gain three out of these like growth spiral ramp decks or whatever. Right. And some of these mid-range decks that are like topping out at this, assuming that it's a six drop that like gets better later in the game. But I just think you that like this is good in a format where you want to cast this as a six drop. And in modern, the format would have to be very specific to want this card as a six drop. And if you're most of the decks I can think that would even want it would rather just be casting Primeval Titan every right. single time. Right. There's um, just so many better six drops in modern, and like this card is never like is this just card, winning you the game. Would you? If the way like the a chance, primeval titan in standard can. or then right now would you play this or consecrated swings if i was playing standard or modern yeah oh wait if i had if you had the choice of any in any format ever to play this or consecrated sphinx which would you play what's my deck like am i ramping Okay, but this isn't a discussion of modern because sure. I think that like you would want neither in modern. Yes, I would want neither in modern. My, so my, like my, my point is, a, is that that was close. They're relatively comparable to the extent that yeah. what your deck makeup is is going to make you decide between the two of them. Right. And consecrated sphinx hasn't seen play in modern right. almost. If in, I'm just trying to get to six lands, I think I play consecrated sphinx. If I'm playing tons of ramp and I'm ramping into this as a six drop that gets better as an eight or a ten drop, which you can reasonably hit in a ramp sure. deck, then sure. But that's like a standard power level ramp deck in modern. I think this is somewhere if you're between ramping, you're putting sphinx. something insane in to play like a primeval right. titan or freaking eldrazi or something like so. it's somewhere in between consecrated sphinx and maybe sphinx's revelation both cards that have uh, sphinx revelation has seen modern play but it's it, an instant but it's an instant and but it doesn't attack like you don't get a three three yeah, trample or flyer true, which is but... like a very relevant threat in the format i think it i think it's close to playable i think it's as close to playable as sphinx's revelation is meh i'm lower on it than sphinx's revelation okay I don't think that there's a deck that's interested in playing this because if you're ramping, you're just doing well, something the problem, broken. I mean, the problem with this is it's green, which like there's never been a good Bant control deck in modern. Maybe there's a reason for that. Nah, <laughs> because Hydroid Crisis hasn't been oh, printed. Yeah, maybe. I'm supposed to be excited about cards. Okay, next card is Emulation Shaman. 
It is a uh, two-mana Vyashino Shaman, one, three. Whenever an opponent activates an ability of an artifact, creature, or land that isn't a mana ability, it deals one damage to that player. You can pay three red-red. It deal gets plus three, plus three, and menace until end of turn. That's a lot of things that it does damage to. Yeah. As a two-drop. I think this yeah. card's a little underrated, even. Kind of reminds me of... Um, well, it's the same ability as... Harsh Mentor. Oh, it is a similar ability as Harsh Mentor. Mm -hmm. Who hasn't really seen play. Who hasn't really seen play. And it this is, a, is like a 1-3 version, which is worse at attacking. But has a better, not really better at doing anything. game, correct? You can pay 5 to give it plus 3, plus 3 Menace. I think that's... Medium. Basically irrelevant. And or bad. Yeah. And Harsh okay. Mentor does 2 damage, I think, whenever you... Yes. And this is 1? Yeah. This is worse. Yep, 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 yep. All right, moving on. Uh, now you get to the card you wanted to talk about, Incubation and Incongruity. Yep, Incubation Incongruity is a Simic split card. Uh, side one is blue-green hybrid, one mana for Incubation. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order. Incongruity is a three-mana instant, one blue-green. Exile target creature. That creature's controller creates a 3-3 three, three green frog lizard creature token. Uh, yeah, so it's a multicolored card that was the reason I was talking about it with Hero of Precinct 6. If you're playing like a, you know, white, green, mid-range, something or other with a lot of creatures that trigger Hero of Precinct 6, this is a one-mana card that triggers it. That's one thing that's like weird about it versus Young Pyromancer that we didn't mention is Young Pyromancer, you can trigger a ton of times off of one-mana instants and sorceries. There's not very many one-mana multicolored cards because multicolored cards typically have like one blue and one white or whatever. Um, but this is a hybrid multicolor card, so it is one mana. It also um, triggers the the two drop. I mean, the, the fact that it's a, like all all cantrips like this have a reason to be looked at, and the fact that this is a creature finding blue version, which doesn't really exist right now that I know it, of. Yeah, it's commune with nature. Which already exists. It right. does, it's the same text. But it can be in blue. But it can be in blue. So and if you're playing a blue creature deck. Merfolk. Or if you care about it being multicolor for some reason. Like right. Like Hero Precinct 1. Which which I don't think that there's a good That's, incubation incongruity Hero Precinct 1 deck in modern. But like there could be another reason right. that you want this. But also it also it also scales into a fine removal spell. With the fact that most of the time you cast it for the first half. But like if you're like, oh... I'm going to die to this Gurmag Angler unless I kill yeah, it Yeah, there right just now. hasn't really been a Commune with Nature deck yet, and I don't know that there Attaching is... a removal spell to it? Like, even like a, a... bad removal spell. Well, but there's... Both half of this card are medium, but they've yep. both been things that, and me putting my Ben Bateman hat on, I, Ben Bateman, have tried to make work in decks before, including stuff like Beast Within or... That's true. Um, Pongify... And you add, I can go find a creature most of the time, and 99% of the time I'm going to use it as a cantrip. But then, yeah. like, one out of every five games I play, or once a match, I'm going to use this as the removal spell because they have, there are way better creatures than a random 2 2. Yeah. I mean, I think in like Ben's kind of, you know, blue tempo creature oriented decks mm -hmm. where he can use this to like find the fairy miscreant that he needs or find the, to draw a card or find this. Spell stutter sprite to counter a spell or something maybe is, is sure. a thing. Well, and, and both halves of these are bad versions of really good effects. One is, but I don't, I don't. Do you think you I don't, don't think, think Pontify is a really is good effect? Well, no, no, but kill a creature and/or draw a card like Fire and Ice is that right? And that was very powerful. I don't, I don't agree with the come the the. Com <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it is, it is worse than fire and ice. Yep. Because fire ice is draw a card and actually kill a creature. Well, yep. this is give them pontify. Draw a card in certain decks. And pontify in certain situations. Or pontify always, but kill a creature in certain situations. And pontify is worse than deal two damage. Is forked bolt, right? I mean, sure. And it costs less also. Yeah. Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's also not available to us. We can't play Fire and Ice. That is true. You cannot play Fire and Ice. Ju- so now we have Incubation and Incongruity. Uh, Judith the Scourge Diva. Now this is like the card. Yeah. This is a cool one. She's a three mana human shaman, one black red. Other creatures you control get plus one, plus zero. Whenever a non-token creature you control dies, Judith the Scourge Diva deals one damage to any target. She's a 2-2 two, two for three. Um, first off, a blood artist that can do damage to any target versus a player in and of itself is powerful. And then you add that to the fact that it gives everything that you have plus one, plus zero is like kind of an insane rate. Yeah, I mean, like, if you play a two-drop into this, it allows your two-drop to attack for one more. It, gives you, it like, triggers off itself, so it gives you a lot of, like, resilience against getting your board swept or right. whatever. Even if they just immediately remove your Judith, you're getting one damage because your creature attacks for one mm-hmm. more, and you're getting one more damage from when she dies. Um, oh, wait, no, wait, she's another non-token, right? Sorry, I was thinking of the interaction where you play two... No, yeah, no, she does no, counter. She herself. Herself. I thought so. Yeah, yeah. Thought well, so. What you don't get, you don't get the addition. If if you play her with a two drop and they kill her immediately, you won't get the bonus. The plus from one, the plus one, right? But, you'll but get, you still get one get damage, damage off of them. To and anything you can kill their noble hierarch or something. Right. I mean, I guess any deck playing a noble hierarch is probably pathing her, which is sad. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, there's a lot of versatility there. But there's a lot of ways to just like get a bunch of creatures in the play in front of her to do damage by attacking, and then you get the. I, there's just it does so much, and so much so much of it is more powerful than things that kind of existed before it. That I'm I I can't imagine a world that this wouldn't see play if it was creature type beast. But the fact that it on top of all of that is also a creature type human makes it like right. So like I'm looking. I've, and a I've heard <laughs> of like some Mardu humans decks. Maybe they're standard, and I'm tripping. I've seen. Yeah, maybe people aren't doing that in in modern, but um, it it's interesting. Yeah, it, it it gets hit off collected company. It's cheap enough that it could be a thing if there's like a aristocrat style deck, which right. hasn't really been a thing in modern. There's, it falls back there's and like forth. an this Abzan a- aristocrats deck that existed at one point, and there's been a Mardu aristocrats that de- like uh, I'm gonna say Zach Elsick, but it wasn't Zach Elsick. It was Zach Zach Black. No. Sam Black? Sam Black, thank you. He did a Mardu Aristocrats deck in Legacy. Did he do one in Modern that yeah. was any good? I don't know. I wouldn't call it. It is. He was pitching it for a while. Sure. And I think it played is, it out of It is a strategy that has had success in other formats, including right. Legacy, which is like a more powerful format. Right. Um, and Standard. Where and, and I think in Legacy, one of the things that really helped it is it has that one black drop that can yeah, sack everything. Feeder. Yeah, because Carrion Feeder. And getting Carrion Feeder in the modern is something that we've like... It was also like a metagame choice when it broke out into Legacy. Right. It was like when Greaselbrand was really popular and being able to like chump block Greaselbrand with the Lingering Souls token and, and then, then sack, sack it, it was a big meant game. that your opponent's life total was under a lot of pressure because they couldn't gain life anymore and they're right. just paying 14. But yeah, I mean, it, Aristocrats is a powerful strategy and... This card is a deck that has a relevant creature type and fits in there well. 
yeah, like across the board on both ends, like you, you have everything from aristocrat decks to just putting it into humans to putting it into an aggressive tokens, black, white deck situation that like, even though the tokens don't trigger the death trigger, correct. It's not token. Like yeah. the plus one plus zero on the tokens goes off. And then you have things that are just going to die regularly. Cause it includes their creatures as well. I believe. No, no it's just your, creatures. No, it's just your, creatures. okay. All right. See, things to pay attention to. Good for reading the card. All right, next card. This card's not so you should... Uh, this next card is the return of the four-mana Wrath. We got Kaya's Wrath. Kaya's Wrath. Black, four black, mana. white, white. Black, black, white, white. Destroy all creatures. You gain life equal the number of creatures you controlled this way, or controlled that were destroyed this way. So it's not all creatures that died. It's just the creatures that you had. So you end up sacrificing creatures you have. You gain life. In standard and in limited, that's you have a bunch of afterlife creatures, so it's a big blowout because your creatures die, you gain four life, and you get four one one flyers, and they lose all their creatures. In modern, this card seems terrible. Really, you don't like just because of the the double casting cost? Yeah, the casting cost is so difficult. I mean, you'll play it in standard because it's four mana, and like it's been a while since there's been a four mana wrath in standard. But this is like not better. than Wrath of God or Damnation. Like, I get that it has a small amount of upside tacked onto it sure. compared to those cards, but it's so much more difficult to cast, even if your mana is great and you're exactly just black-white. I think so much more difficult to cast is a strong statement. I do think it's more difficult to cast. I think it's so much more difficult to cast. I'm passing on this one. I mean, people are like, cra- like people said that about Crackling Jake and Crackling Jake is showing up everywhere. Well, I didn't agree with those people. But you agree here. It's the same casting cost. E- Okay, that is true. Crackling Drake is not easily replaced with a more castable card. It I is. mean, there's a more castable version of it in modern or in standard. But the fact that it draws you a don't card draw a card that's a different. Card is, this card yeah, gains yeah. life, which is not as good as drawing a card. But in, almost when you're ever. trying to stabilize, destroying their board and gaining five life is you, only, good. you have to be destroying your own board. You have to be playing creatures sure. into this to gain life. But it's this not, is it's this not lets, four mana. This fumigate. lets decks that have problems, say, with humans that are able to play black, white and have creatures on their side, say this duh, Abzam deck that we were talking about 20 minutes ago, um, have a board wipe in their deck to be able to deal with threats when they need to out of the sideboard, but also keep their threats in play. It keeps your threats in play. No, it kills your threats. Well, and you, gain gain life. you, you play your threats into it. Like you don't have to like, I'm not going to do anything until I wipe your board and then play those. I'm not into it. Okay. <laughs> All right, next one, Lavinia Azorius Renegade. Nope. One back. There you go. Wait, did you skip this? Are we not doing that one? Alphabetically? Right? We got this, and we got that. Oh, for some reason it alphabetically ordered in the share. Okay, we got Kaya Orzov Usurper. Three mana, three loyalty planeswalker, one black-white. Plus one, exile up to two target cards from a single graveyard. You gain two life if at least one creature card was exiled this way. Minus one, exile target non-land permanent with converted mana cost one or less. Minus five, Kaya Orzov Usurper deals damage to target player equal to the number of cards that player owns in exile, and you gain that much life. So, I think this card is bad. Yep. But the reason we're talking about it in the podcast is there is a reason to always... I think there's always a reason to look at every three-mana Planeswalker printed and evaluate it more thoroughly than a four-mana one. Sure. So, I guess, in a sense, it's like a th- cheap win condition that hates on your opponent's graveyard. So, right. if you're looking for a matchup where you want to hate on your opponent's graveyard... Slowly. ...and win a very long game... Slowly. Maybe you're interested in this. It has the tried-and-true isolate ability, 
which everybody knows, that modern staple preview oh. card that didn't even make it on the preview card wall. It's actually behind that bookshelf over there. Sure. You can see the uh, one white was, convert mana cost symbol. Wait, uh, I don't want to open things because I don't know what's behind those books. It's been isolated uh, over <laughs> in the corner because it's not a very good card. She's got that as an ability, which I will say it's better as a Planeswalker ability than as an actual card. Right. Because it's a backup plan. It's a repeatable like, thing. It's a backup plan. It's also, hey, like, I got your Aether Vial. Cool. So sick. Right. But it's not something... That's worth an entire card, but you're not spending an entire card. You're well, spending one loyalty. The thing that makes me saddest about this card is that the Kaya we got in Conspiracy, Conspiracy was so cool she and was such really cool. a cool character yep. that I think they kind of there was a big miss on this of just like I'd rather have been like five mana and done something well, so dope with blinking. My and, opinion design wise, and I really like the planeswalkers in this set. I mean, I think Domri's boring, but I really like Dovin and Kaya because I think that like for so long we've had the planeswalker model of like plus one draw card minus one kill something and then or plus one draw card minus two to three kill something and then uh ultimate win the game is like so standard nowadays for planeswalkers like we've seen teferi is basically that uh you know chandra torch of defiance is basically that obnixilis is basically that um you have like so many like that and I think that more niche Planeswalkers is kind of what we need to keep Planeswalkers sure, fresh. Like, I, I get what, what the best Planeswalkers are always going to be some variation of plus one draw card so that you can continue to gain advantage in a long game and win. You're going to have minus kill something because you want your Planeswalker to be able to come down and answer a threat if and protect itself, more mm-hmm. or less. And you want minus, you know, win the game because, like, you it, it doubles as a win con in that right. way. But... I like more niche planeswalkers. Like I think Dovin is cool because, in particular, because he's like does this. Right. At a, he, he's a niche planeswalker at a higher rate. Yeah, yeah where I'm, he like his abilities are good. <laughs> right, and I, I guess my point is is like, a we have two three mana planeswalkers, and one is just a good planeswalker, and yeah. this one is it is niche. But I think they could have done something where, like, imagine her. Because she, you know, she killed the Obsidat. She replaced the Obsidat in the storyline, and her abilities from the last one were Obsidat esque. She blinked herself and some or something else, removed it from the game. It came back. I think there was more of a flavor play to play in the fact that this character, who is known to do blinking shenanigans, exiling things, bringing them back into play at the end of turns or the beginning of end steps, like if she had a plus of remove her and or another creature until your next beginning of end step, and then drained. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that there are flavor. more interesting things she could have done here. I just or sacrifice I'm things because that's what planeswalkers in general. And I think that sometimes the ones that they come out with are going to be too niche. But you know, I think that that's a risk that is worth taking to keep planeswalkers interesting. Agreed. But I think a blinking like I'm not saying I don't want to do the five mana. You know, you described it. Plus, draw a thing, minus kill a thing, yeah. ultimate you win the game. Like I'm looking for something different, which she was the first time. Her first printing was niche. That's a weird card. It's a four mana card that doesn't have a plus ability. It has two minuses, and then it's yeah. one of its minuses. I agree with that. Blinks her, um, and playing more into that aspect of her, which was interesting, kind of the way that they play in the Gideon, where Gideon also never has an ultimate, and every Gideon becomes a creature. She could have been a character that she be- blinks herself every turn, and that's how she gets back to loyalty. And that would have been an interesting space to keep her in, yeah, and keeping her niche. Um, next card. Now you can do the card I said, Lavinia. Mm-hmm. Lavinia, Azorius Renegade, blue, one blue, one white for a 2-2. Each opponent can't cast non-creature spells with converted mana cost greater than the number of lands that player controls. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell. 
Um, oh, human soldier. Forgot the creature type. It's important. It's the most oh, important. Oh, and she's legendary creature human soldier. So I'm gonna, I may eat my hat one day, and I will, I will. people can take this moment and flash it back at me. I think if this card is not main deck playable, it's not playable. I think as a sideboard card, it's mediocre. I think as a main deck card, it's decent because it's going to just get people randomly. And it's a fu- like in humans, it's fine. You play this, it's a 2 2 for 2. It's going to get pumped or bonused by all the other human cards you have, and it's going to lock opponents out of the game. But I don't think it's powerful. Like anytime I'm playing against an opponent that's doing something that this stops, it's going to stop them kind of medium. And there are cards that I would rather bring in that are going to stop them hard or in a more thorough way. And so. In the main deck, great, because it's a 2-2 threat that's good, and it's going to stop just randomly every deck in the format a little bit. As a sideboard card, it comes in, and it's like, I kind of stop these things, but then they have six ways to work around it, and so I'm not really gaining you that much value versus bringing in Stony Silence against her or bringing Sure, in- like Gaddick Teague. Right. Okay, I guess I can see that, because her hate abilities are like kind of narrow and easy to work around it's better as a main deck card than a sideboard card because it doesn't it doesn't it's it's broad and narrow at the same time it's it's narrow in the sense that it's very specific it's broad in the sense that i don't believe there's actually a deck in modern that she doesn't stop one card in (laughs) yeah it's true that's fair Uh, one thing i think is cool about this card is that obviously like it will be a consideration for humans mm-hmm. because it is a two mana human that like randomly hoses people, which is kind of what the entire basis of the human deck. Do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that she's interesting also in like some type of hate bearsy like Leona Arbiter Ghost Quarter deck, which are historically green. And because they're not playing fetch lands because of Leon and Arbiter, it's like hard to splash a color. But I think she's interesting in that style of deck because if you're putting a pressure on your opponent's lands, like she, her making it so that your opponent can't cast non-creature spells that cost more than the amount of lands they control mean that like stuff that they may play to get around having their lands destroyed is not going to help them because they can't play them. Like they can't Simeon Spirit guide anything out. They can't use their Mox Opals and Springleaf Drums to cast stuff even though you blew up their lands. They can't use their Noble Hierarch to play Collected Company. Like, I don't know. I think that's interesting. Like, like she's cool with Wasteland is right. what I'm getting at. And we don't have Wasteland in Modern. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So you, Legacy playable, actually, I would say she's better even in Legacy, Well, obviously. yeah, and she hoses Force of Will, which right. is like a thing. Yes. <laughs> I've heard. Um, so, yes, I, I think she's obviously a powerful card in multiple formats. I think she's even powerful in Modern. I just think I would want to put her in my main deck more oh. than, like, side her in. Sure. So one interesting thing she also hoses is there's kind of a resurgence of uh, living end decks, style decks, mm-hmm. uh, in part because of Electrodominance, being able to cast free Wheel Zero of Fate drops. or yeah. free Restore Balance or free, you know, whatever off of Living Death. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are playing like Electrodominance as foretold decks that are playing those no mana cost cards, right. even Ancestral Vision. And Lavinia hoses all of them because you're not spending mana on them. You're right. casting that spell without paying its mana cost, which means she also hoses things like Cascade mm-hmm. or, you know, other cards that let you. No, yeah, I think, I think she's, she stops a lot. It's just. Yeah, well, that's just like a new yeah, hot yeah, thing yeah. that, like, oh no, I keep losing to this Restore Balance deck. Mm-hmm. Well, Lavinia is like one way. That, yeah. yeah. And, and that's kind of. My thoughts on the subject is because all those decks have ways to deal with Lavinia 
beyond just Lavinia being in play. But once you have her in play, accidentally you'll just turn off half their cards. Right, and that's the reason that like you know the humans deck is so strong is because it's like they killed your Thalia, but you still have a meddling mage or a kite sail freebooter. Right, right. Now you have a Lavinia, and it's like uh, I can't kill all of these, and you know <laughs> they took my wrath with their freebooter. <laughs> um, something to bring up uh, about Kaya uh, or Zavra Serper is that isolate. Um, only does exactly convert a mana cost one, and she does one or less. Wow. So she's much better than Isolate. That's cool. I mean, I guess you can get tokens with it. Yeah. If they ever unban Dark Depth, she'll be a it's sick a Merit Lage hate and card. And get rid of an Ornithopter. <laughs> Although they're just doing it end of turn and killing you anyway. But yeah. That's fine. All right, moving on. Uh, light up the stage. Let's light this stage up. Light up the stage. Three mana sorcery. Exile the top two cards of your library. Until the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. And then it has Spectacle... For one red. So this card's really cool for two reasons. One, it's possible to make it a one-mana red draw two cards, which is Mm -hmm, just powerful mm -hmm. in general. Um, Which key to playing this card? Play your lands after you cast it. Because multiple times in my pre-release, someone would play a land and then cast this, and then just be like, oh, I got a land. Exile a land, they can't play it, (laughs) yeah. And they they, they get two lands. Because even if you get two lands off of it and you haven't played that land, that is still drawing two land cards. Yeah. Um, Because you can play one that turn and then the next turn. Um, also, just a new, really, like, almost a better version of kind of what Red has been trying to do with the just exile card that turn. Because that, that ability, unless it's on a Planeswalker, has kind of always been, or a repeatable source like the enchantments that do that. Um, right. Has they kind printed, of, like... Um, there's the Dragon Maze. There's the Dragon one, and then there's the... Act on Impulse is, like, three mana exile the top three. You can play them this right. turn, but, like, you spent your mana already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, a six drop if you want it to actually be good. Right. And, and even so, then you're probably not playing all three cards you're right. playing like one and so and so it's like a three mana brainstorm that is a six drop to cast the spell you get it's, yeah, bad. it's, it's uh, bad so but this is good like this you get on your next turn at for even three mana getting two card like getting a weird delay trigger um what's three mana draw two cards divination in red a color that is hurting for stuff like divination a lot of the time depending on the deck is great. And then add the fact that this could be one mana divination is like yeah, a big I mean, game. It's cheap enough that you can play the cards the same turn a lot of the mm-hmm. time. And, you know, the fact that you get to keep them until next turn means that if you do flip two lands or if you are tapping out for it because you went like goblin guide attack, hit them into this. Right. Then you're like still able to play the cards next turn. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is definitely a card people are going to try. I, I, I see it as like somewhat similar to something like Risk Factor, where like people are going to be trying it out right now, and I think it is likely to be good, honestly, and it might end up that it's not, sure, because it's like too clunky to turn it on and cast it and whatever, whatever. But I definitely think it's a card that like I think the difference between this has and the risk- potential to be yeah. good in burn, in burn in particular, right, right. Um- yeah, I'm excited about this card. I'm more excited about it than I kind of thought. And then I'm also excited about this ability in the future. I think Wizards, as long as this card doesn't end up being too good, which is possible, um, will look at this effect in the future as something they might want to but actually But I think visit. even if this card is too good, like this is more of a reflection of the way Wizards considers the color pie. And sure. They're, like, it means that this is something red is now allowed to do. And they might change their mind on that, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that that has to do with power level. I think it has to do with color pie. Sure. Like, 
is divination in red too powerful? No. No. It wouldn't be too powerful. Right. It just infringes on the color pie, right? Where right. it's like, this is something that blue does, and we don't want red to be able to do it too well because it blurs the lines between colors. Why would you play blue when you can just play divination in another color instead? Right. You're taking away blue's strengths and consolidating it into one brown, right? Right, 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 right. Um, I mean, and that's why generally artifact sets are problematic. It's not even because they are inherently powerful it's because they by they become brown it's like affinity yeah. where it's like the best cards because you, when you do an artifact set you want those the exciting cards to be artifacts which means they're colorless which means that a deck the best deck in the format can just play all of the best cards you can't do right. like the best green card the best blue card and the best black card the only way to play all three of those together is if you play all three colors and then your mana is bad right. and you get punished by aggro decks and whatever yeah so so that's generally why you want color pies to exist that's why one right. of magic's greatest strength is the color pie right and so this is a card that it shows they are willing to do this in red they might not be continuing to be doing it in red but i don't think the power level of the card has to do with it i think it's just kind of if they change their mind on where they think the red color pie is you know mm-hmm. next persistent petitioners two mana one three one in a blue pay human advisor pay one tap target player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard Tap four untapped advisors you control. Target player puts the top 12 cards of their library into their graveyard. And a deck can have any number of cards named petition, Persistent Petitioners. Oh, this card is a dollar common already, if not more than that. Yeah, well, it's similar to like Relentless Rats from Shadowborn and, Apostle, yeah. where if you need one, you need like 30. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which means the demand... Is kind well, of is not spread out. It, yeah. It's a very tall demand. Right. The number right, of people right. that want it is low. How many each of them want is yeah. high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do know that in Arena, once you have four, you have unlimited. Yes, that is true. In um, arena. The other thing that I think is interesting is... Well, I mean, in Standard, people are already messing around with this deck. This is a deck in Standard already. Yeah, well, it's cheap to build. You just yeah. need a big pile of commons. And, and then you just go for it. fun, meme I think the only place that it could be viable personally in modern because you just need four two mana creatures before it's good is like a rally the ancestors type right deck. right right and i don't know so rally the ancestors um you white, know white you're, x yeah well it's white white x instant instant you get back uh all creatures with converted mana cost x uh from your graveyard to the battlefield uh, until end of turn, and then you exile them. End of t- I mean, we can look it up, but yeah, yeah that's yeah. approximately what it does. So you can get back all of your two drops, including all your persistent positioners. You can mill yourself a bunch to set up your next one, and then you can like play another one and just like blast them out of nowhere. Right. And so in that deck, I feel like you're playing these to mill yourself, uh, and you're also playing cards that loot. So you're playing like um, what? What are good blue cards that thought scour? You're like thought scouring yourself. You're like you know, um, using Magus of the Bazaar is one that I'm a fan of because you, what are you looking at? How do you spell the card's name? Oh, I got it right here. Keep going. Keep talking. Um, yeah, you like Magus of the Bazaar is one I'm a fan of, which is a two-mana O2 human wizard that you can tap to draw two, discard three. I've seen it in Rally the Ancestors decks before, and I thought that was really cool. Um, and then you're just trying to like combo them out by bringing back like 10 of these and milling them. Oh, there's and, that black green enchantment too that if you blood bond march, yeah, you return everything from graveyard to play that has the same name as one thing. Yep. If it's, I ex- think that there's a lot of cool meme potential yeah, yeah, with this yeah. deck. I don't think that it's going to win a Grand Prix, but I think that like there's a lot of fun to be had with this card. For the, sure. one thing, the one thing that's powerful about it versus Relentless Rat is a Relentless Rat is for all intents and purposes just a three drop creature that does nothing where other than like it, it, the other than attacking, attacks. Yeah. Where this is like 
has a lot of, as every major way to fill your graveyard up has shown, like there's combo potential there. Mm-hmm. And what you can do with that combo potential is possibly significant. Yeah, it's true. Like, this- I mean, Shadowborn Apostle has some combo potential, and the fact that it's one mana means that, like, I've definitely seen some. I've seen a lot of commander decks with it, oh, but yeah. I've seen some, like, meme modern decks where you're, right. like, using something like Rally of the Ancestors to bring them back and then get Greasel Brand into play and do some shenanigans. And, and- super budget. Like, I think yeah. that's. Yeah. Um, I'm also looking at other advisors in modern right now. Oh, There's- someone did show, like, a <laughs> advice. That was one thing someone brought up that the advisor creature type is is dope like there's like some got, funny ones you got like Gattic Teague, Teague yeah. Mayor of Avabruck which pumps them all because they're all, all humans. humans oh dope you got a <laughs> that a lot actually <laughs> you got Combal all the Tases Leov- well, Leovold is in modern but he is a fairly relevant card in other formats advisors um, are fascinating you, there's a lot of advisors uh, from Portal Three Kingdoms a lot of that advisors in the uh, you know Saga of the Three Kingdoms or whatever Corrupt Unix is a human advisor from Portal of the Kingdoms. Interesting. All right, next card. It's a big <laughs> one. It's probably the most talked about modern card from the set, unless you disagree with me. Oh, are, you, Prime. are we skipping that one? Oh, yeah. Nope, skip that one. Do one first. I Kay. lied. Oh, wait. We're, we are doing this one. Yep. Pe- Pestilent Spirit. Three mana, three, two. Menace, Death Touch. Oh, it's a spirit. Menace, Death Touch. Instant and sorcery spells you control have Death Touch. I don't think that this card is modern playable, but it's on the list. Uh, it's on the list because it's mostly just a brief conversation about creatures that give spells keywords. I think that that's cool. Yes. I would like to see more of it. That's it's the more, extent of my thoughts. More lifelink <laughs> than Death Touch. It's good and limited. Menace, Death Touch is cool because they have to block with two creatures, and then both of those creatures die regardless of size. Oh, that's something that's cool. Uh, giving instant and sorcery's abilities is cool. Yep. I'm into it. I think it's spicy. Bad for modern. Don't think it's good. Cool. Especially any, because... Any, what, what keyword, if you, you have are, any keyword that you haven't seen, be given to spells, which one would it be? Well, there's not that many that work. Correct. Like, lifelink, death touch. In fact. Tra- they did trample in an unset, yep. which is cool, but, but apparently it has a lot of rules baggage and black border that does make it you have to be a to rules work, wizard to right. understand. Um, that's, that's where I'm at. It's... Okay, I, I mean, I can explain the rules baggage if anybody cares. It's uh, because trample has to do with the damage assignment step, and um, it determines how you are allowed to assign damage during the combat damage step. And uh, you need to be able to. You don't. You don't assign damage from your spells during a combat damage step. You just play them, and then they do the thing. Mm. Okay. But uh, that's that's my judge summary. Okay. On that one. All right. Now let's move on to the card I was actually speaking out as the most talked about modern card in the set, and that is Prime Speaker Vanifar. Yep. It's Birthing Pod for four. <laughs> Legendary creeper, creature, elf, elf ooze wizard, two blue green, two four. Tap, sacrifice another creature, search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrificed creature's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. So this, like, wins the game if you attack with it. And a one-drop. And a one-drop. Yeah, because you pod the one-drop. So what's nice about this versus Birthing Pod is that there were... Um, Kiki pod decks mm-hmm. that were playing like all the untapped creatures to combo with Kiki, but they were able to, through use of like 
Phantasmal Image and Deceiver Exarch and Restoration Angel mm-hmm. to like copy your Deceiver Exarch a bunch of times, untap pod each time, and then put Kiki-Jiki into play with your Deceiver Exarch and then Wasn't, kill them. Isn't the big one here, because it's a creature, there's two more creatures that untap it that allow you to go off of so a one-drop versus... That's what I'm getting to, yes. So you, you needed a one and a two-drop with, with Birthing Pod, but you also needed mana, because Birthing Pod costs mana to tap and activate. Mm-hmm. So this has Summoning Sickness, which is a huge drawback, but... Once you've gotten around the summoning sickness in whatever way you want mm-hmm. to, just maybe it's just running it out there and hoping for the best. Maybe it's courting for it on their end step. Maybe right. it's, you know, maybe you're getting real spicy and playing Lightning Greaves or something or a Thousand Year Elixir. Or but it's free to tap it. Yeah. So you literally can just tap out for this on turn four or cord for it at the mm-hmm. end step, untap, and just go for it. You don't mm-hmm. need any mana to activate it. You don't need to be paying life. So if they've been putting a lot of pressure on your life total early because they're burn or something, you don't have to like pay eight life to Birthing Pod to combo. Right. You're just straight up going for it. You're going to win, which I think is cool versus Birthing Pod. But yeah, the, the main combo with well, this also, one drop is you get Scrib Ranger, which is a two drop that allows you to uh, return a forest you control to your its owner's hand to untap target creature. So then you untap Vanifar. Then you uh, activate Vanifar again to sacrifice your Scrib Ranger to get Renegade Rallier, which has Revolt. If a permanent left the battlefield under your control this turn, you get to get a two-drop back from your graveyard. So you get back the Scrib Ranger. You do it again. You return another forest to untap Vanifar. Now you have Scrib Ranger and Renegade Rallier. So then you can get Renegade Rallier into Restoration Angel... Wait, no. No, you get you pop you, the Scrib Ranger again right. into Deceiver Exarch, untap her. Then you do Renegade Rallier into Restoration Angel on the Deceiver Exarch, untap her. Then you and you don't you can you can also get put the Restoration the Angel right? into if you don't or want to Breaching Hip. Yeah, if you want to be if you want to be just rug and don't want to go into white, you can get Renegade Rallier is white. You can do there's another thing you can do to get it done. Oh, you get um a Phantasmal Image off of a needle one drop. Well, Renegade Rallier allows you to put two permanents into play, so you get to keep one while you pod the other sure. one, which I think, I think is important because you need, do... you need two creatures and she can't pod herself. There was a gift where she didn't need... A... I believe that. Yeah, yeah. I believe that there's some combo that... So this maybe is the one Kitchen that, This is the one that I'm familiar with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, at some point, you need to be getting two creatures into play because you need a Deceiver Exarch and a Kiki-Jiki or right. a Restoration Angel and a Kiki-Jiki. And so if you're just going straight up the chain and you're not using Renegade Rallier to generate a second permanent... You're just gonna end up with a Kiki Jiki and a Vanifar. Right, I think I think maybe it found Kitchen Finks to get the Hippocamp twice and then untapped things enough to get to I don't know. Perhaps that's true. Yeah. Reaching Hippocamp is a three two that untaps target creature you control and enters the battlefield. So and it's you a can four drop that. though, so you can get it to right. So either Restoration card. Angel or Hippocamp, right. untap Vanifar, and then yeah, pod okay. the four drop into Kiki, and then you have a Kiki and a Deceiver X arc right. and you do the the Splinter Twin thing. Right. So the point is, is that that's the main shell, and then around that you build just a good rug creature. At, you know, deck that has a bunch of hate cards in it and is good. Well, at you're playing people. like Court of Callings to find your Vanifar. You're right. playing Eldritch Evolution to find Vanifar or Kiki. It's like the Kiki Evolution decks that already exist, except that they have this like powerful new tool mm-hmm. to combo well, that, off. And that deck was probably a C deck in the format, but now I think this. Yeah, is I mean, by you, itself you could take it. You could take it to plus. a tournament and succeed with it. I think yeah. it was like it had relatively powerful things. It was just kind of fragile because you're using creatures, which are right. fragile permanents, and, and this and all gives your pieces. deck more. Redundancy, I yeah. guess. And, and I mean, there's a reason Birthing Pot is banned. Like this on the field, even if you're not comboing off like we just described, but just like untapped with it for some reason, is very powerful for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I mean, Birthing Pod's back. I mean, we'd even get into like there can be a banned version of this that isn't combo 
trying to combo out just as like a good creature value. One birthing pod was finalizing its run in modern there was a point where it wasn't even playing with heavy combos it was just like i'm trying to see dry know you out multiple yeah times. yeah so like as a metagame call maybe your kiki pod deck that you've been playing you just take the kikis out and you just do mid-range stuff and yeah. your opponent is still terrified of vanifar and they kill it every single time you play it and then you're like oh cool i'm glad you killed that here's like a sun titan or something right. <laughs> <laughs> um cool all right next card we're talking about is oh, sad that ben isn't on for this one Terramander. It's I know. Terramander. Actually, this entire episode, based on the week before that, all of the cards we talked to the week before that are just like generically good, kind of boring, and all the cards we're talking about this week are sweet. <laughs> uh, why don't you read what this card does? I mean, I wish I was on for the Dovenbon episode. I love that guy, but we won't get into Dovenbon. Terramander is a one mana, one one Salamander Drake. It has flying and Seven mana and a blue, adapt four. This ability costs one less to activate for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. So for those of you not paying attention to Ravnica Allegiance mechanics, adapt four means you put four plus and plus one counters on this creature if it does not have any plus and plus one counters already on it. And I'm talking into my mic now. Uh, yep, so you pay eight uh, reduced for each instant and sorcery in your graveyard, and you have a five-five flying. Yep. Uh, well, you pay one to play it. Then you pay eight later. Or you pay one, and then you pay one later, or immediately. Yes, that is the thing. And then you get a 5-5 five, five flyer. So this has like the Bedlam Reveler ability, where yes. you don't get rid of the cards. So multiple Terramanders mean you can like... Just play three of them You can make this guy very big, and then they Fatal Push it, and then you're like, here's another, here's one. another one. It's still really big. It doesn't have the Gurmag Angler problem, where they like Reflector Mage it, and you're just like, ah, all the cards in my graveyard, this sucks. Yeah, it's it's it's... I think this card's really good. I think it's somewhere in between Delver, Gurmag Angler, and Bedlam Reveler. And obviously, all three of those things have different reasons why they're all good. Bedlam Reveler is draws you cards and has prowess. Uh, Gurmag Angler is probably more consistent in getting into play the first time, as small as it is, or quicker to do that. But then in the long run, is harder to get multiples into play. And then this is the best one in multiples. It also dodges Fatal Push and stuff like Dodges that. Fatal Push and stuff. And then Delver Secrets Lex sacks you into getting a 3-2 on turn one, turn two and attacking with a 3-2. And I think one turn. of the things with Delver in particular that's overlooked often is the flying is extremely relevant because it attacks past... So in Legacy in particular, it attacks past almost everything anybody is playing creature-wise. Mm-hmm. So like even in a matchup where your opponent is playing Tarmogoyfs or something, they don't block. Right. So, um, and it's has, the same in modern. Flying. Terramander yeah, does yeah, have yeah, flying. Yeah. I think that's something super relevant and why it's like, you know, Gurmag Angler meets Delver in a way because... On the, like the bad end of this card versus the bad end of Delver is better. Like the one, a 1-1 flyer for one is better than a 1-1 not flyer for one. Yeah, totally. And, but <laughs> yeah, I just, the flying is so, so we start important main because plummets, but. your opponent can't be chump blocking with like doofus humans right. to like race you. They can't be you know, uh, blocking with their Gurmag Angler mm-hmm. or anything. Like, this just goes past everything in the format except, like, Lingering Souls, right. which and, is not and, popular like, right now. This is pretty bad against humans for, like, as you mentioned, Reflector Mage doesn't wreck this card nearly as hard. Yeah. Uh, even, like, Cryptic Commands won't wreck this card nearly as hard because yeah. it's like, oh, like, you crypt it, you spent four mana to counter my one drop or yeah. you spent four mana to bounce my one drop so, is, like, pretty good. Ben said, and I think it may have been on the podcast when this card got spoiled and he was so excited he couldn't wait for the preview episode, but... I remember he was saying that like just a one one flying for one, and this is his experience because he's a big fan of one ones flyings for one. Yeah. Will chip in for damage before you even like adapt to this guy. Right. So you're gonna like 
attack them for three or even four just because there's so few flying creatures in the format and your opponent will not see it as a threat and so they won't kill it. Yeah, they'll and just so take, like, just I'll like, take four extra damage. Yeah, you've just gotten a bunch of free damage in off your one drop mm -hmm. and then it turns into a 5-5 five five that can actually kill them. Like, for cheap, yep. you know? Yep. It, it's powerful. Agreed. Instants and sorceries, uh, as many cards in the format will prove, including Arclight Phoenix, are good cards that you just want to play a lot of in your deck anyway. Right. So, well, and this, like, I think, like, Thing in the Ice is a card that could be replaced probably more than any of the other cards in that deck. With yeah, this I mean, card there's because, plenty like, of times where I've seen people playing, like, Monastery Swiss Spears instead of right. Thing in the Ices or whatever. And honestly, Thing in the Ice isn't. You, you could play it in the same deck as this. It's not oh, terrible. Yeah. This it's is just, cheap it's enough. Just now you have 12 or 16 creatures. Yeah, and, well, and, and I think that there are possibly versions of this deck that don't want Arclight Phoenix. There are maybe sure. versions of this deck that don't want Thing in the Ice. Like, you have a good suite Don't of, want Bedlam Reveler. Don't want, don't want Bedlam Empire Reveler. Reveler. There's, yeah. there's now... Like, That's the other thing is this is like has advantages over Bedlam Reveler because Bedlam Reveler sits in your hand completely uncastable if mm -hmm. your opponent has Grave Hate. And this is a card that can just keep hitting them. And eventually, if you get rid of their Grave Hate... Then you can like you know play a faithless looting and then flip it Go right off. away yeah. and then hit well, them. Well, plus plus you could play like four of these and two two bedlam revelers is better than four bedlam revelers and anything else because bedlam reveler is bad when you have two bedlam revelers in your hand or not bad it's just worse. Yeah, and this is great with the, like if yes, you have bedlam you can reveler play and this, this and then bedlam reveler and you're, and you're like, like hey <laughs> <laughs> everything's going much better. Yeah, uh, big fan of this card and yep. I know Ben is as well. Also, it's a Salamander Drake, which is a great creature. Type. Uh, every creature type in Simic is wonderful. Yeah, it's really good. Like, even the medium ones, like Mutant. There are no thing. mutants in this set, I don't think. Yeah, there are. Oh, okay. There's a Flying Mutant. Okay. At least one. I'll take your I word for two. it. I think most of them, because, like, Vanifar could easily be a mutant since she has transformed part of her body into, into goop. But they made her a, an elf ooze wizard, I think she is. Mm -hmm. Which, she is an elf, which... It's not irrelevant. Yeah, She's an elf who's a wizard, which is sweet. Uh, Prime Speaker, Vanifar, uh, Repudate, and Replicate. Repudiate is a instant hybrid blue-green, hybrid blue-green, counter-target, activated or triggered ability, and Replicate is one green-blue, create a token that is a copy of target creature you control, sorcery. So I wish the top end was something different on this card because I think that a stifle that for two mana... That did something else. That, that did something else that was relevant. Like, would you like for the Pongify card that's on the other half of the other well, one to be on this? I would for the Pongify to be on yeah, this. Yeah, I still think the Pongify is bad. And I don't think Trickbind is very good either. I think this is a card that I wish Ben was here to talk about because I know he's a big fan of Trickbind and this is like almost always better than Trickbind. I guess, I guess the question is, well, yeah. It doesn't have split second. It doesn't have split second. It's but almost I always mean, better. I mean, the fact that, well, A, now green has the ability to just, like, wreck you on your fetch land. I think, like, wrecking, like, the point is, in modern, like, the fact that at worst case scenario, this is wrecking you on a fetch land is the base level. And then everything yeah. else that it does is sweet. So and wrecking you on a fetch land, I, I would like, for the record to show, is not good in modern for two mana, I don't think. Sure. I think the format is too fast that if you're spending your turn two wrecking your opponent's fetch land, they, like, probably already have a threat in play and are hitting you. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. Okay. Uh, revival and Revenge. Uh, yep. This is black-white hybrid, black-white hybrid, return target creature with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Sorcery. Revenge is four white-black, double your life total. Your opponent loses half their life. Round it up. I uh, think that this card is not very good. Uh, excuse me. As the resident person pretending to be Ben Bateman on this episode, that card absolutely can cast Mercy Superior and put it into play. 
Oh my gosh. Yes. I think this is <laughs> one of the worst ways that you can put Mere Superior into play. That's true. It's also now redundant with Claim Fame. Claim Fame is better. but Claim Fame is better. Uh, I agree. It does something that Claim Fame does too. So if you need a sixth copy of Claim Fame. That costs two mana and has a six drop stapled to it. Sure. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Did my Rhythm of the Wild. Rhythm of the Wild is one red-green enchantment. Creature spells you control can't be countered. Non-token creatures you control have Riot, which means that they enter the battlefield with your choice of a plus one, plus one counter or haste. You know what this goes infinite with? Every single persist creature. That is true. That's and real spicy. That is the main relevant thing with this card, I think. And it gives creatures haste, oh, yeah. oh, it's, which it's good. is relevant in, say, a Prime Speaker Vanifar deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have seen some standard decks. Vanifar is like... A little bit playable in standard, not mm-hmm. as playable as in modern. She's more of the value engine that we were talking about, where you're like potting an ETB creature into another ETB creature into another ETB creature and just like getting a lot of right. ETB value versus comboing. But in standard, I saw with Vanifar, I've seen like Rhythm of the Wild Vanifar decks, and I was like, wow, that's pretty spicy. Because all your big, all your value creatures can be bigger or they can have haste, so you can like pot into a tap creature and do cool stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's too cute, but I think that the fact that it gives all your creatures haste and it has upside from then on is like pretty relevant. And in those types of decks, you don't want your creatures to get countered right. because you're like, well, this is this is a comboing, or at least playing a lot of creatures, and so you're like, my Vanifar is uncounterable. I play her; she has haste, and it curves into her also. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, just doing a bunch of cool stuff at that point. Right. You know? I mean, it's in it's, whatever format. It's you have the benefit of getting a Malira that can't be killed by creature removal, that also can't be tutored and going back and forth, but then also has way more benefits than a two for two, two, two for two. Right, it's not a creature, so like you wouldn't necessarily play it in the place that you would play Malira, Correct. since you're usually playing Malira with Collected Company and Court of Calling and you know ways to mm-hmm. to dig for her when you need her. It's an enchantment, which means it is harder to kill, which is nice. And creature spells you can't c- control can't be countered is almost always going to be relevant in a deck where you want your creatures Just to have haste, right? Or right. where you're comboing with persist. I mean, the card has a lot of potential because the words that are on it are all. Good words. Good words. <laughs> it just like is a three mana do nothing enchantment. Correct. So it's like, I, and, and I think I think yeah, I, I think you play one of this is always go, the best it's ever going to be. Like I don't. Well, I guess if you're playing a combo deck that is like really trying to win, you play four. But th- that seems bad. I mean, it does do something in multiples because multiple instances of riot, you can like get haste, haste and, and the, the one counter. one counter yeah, hey. or double haste. It's but so yeah, fast. I mean, this is like a very interesting <laughs> card, and I think it's going to be a major player in standard. And I'm excited to see that because I think what it does is cool. As far as modern goes, there's definite combo potential, and I think like for casual modern decks, this is going to be really cool. I'm not confident that you can spend three mana on an enchantment that does nothing when it comes into play. Yeah, I think like uh, I think in those decks, if you're in a format, I mean, there's matchups where you just don't cast this until you win by casting it. Like that's also yeah, but it's three mana, so then you have to be spending three plus two mana for your combo piece or whatever. Oh, but if you have the combo pieces in play, that most of the combo pieces that go with it are just sure. Good. If you have Viserys here and Kitchen Finks already in play, you just like, like play this on turn four, and you're like, oh, I did it. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next is Rick's Maddie Reveler. Rick's Mighty Reveler is a 2-mana two 2-2. Two, two. It has Spectacle, which we already discussed, for 2 black-red. And when it enters the battlefield, discard a card, then draw a card. If its Spectacle cost was paid, instead discard your hand, then draw 3 cards. So this is another Bedlam Reveler, but it costs 4 mana every single time, and it's 2 colors. 
and it's only a 2-2. Instead what does of it do? When it comes into play, it just draws a card and discards a card. Or you discard a card to draw a card? Yes, as a 2-minute 2 So if I think that half of it is playable, it's good. If otherwise, it's terrible. I don't think that that's even remotely playable anywhere cool. except maybe standard. And then even in standard, it's pretty bad. You're basically, this is like a standard card that you play because you're not allowed to play Bevelum Reveler. <laughs> yeah, fair. All right, moving on with our lives. Scribbling Claws. We talked about this last week. It is fine in a deck that you're trying to very specifically remove opponents. This was the preview cards. card, Yeah. We, so hopefully everybody already knows what it does. Yeah, we talked about it last time. We're running out a little bit of time, so we're going to go quick. Uh, Skewer the Critics is, is the next one. two and a red for three damage to any target sorcery, and it has Spectacle for one red. So Sorcery Lightning Bolt for one red in decks that are already doing damage to a person. People are talking a lot about this in Burn. At a worst-case scenario, this is a great addition to and someone asked about this actually on the chat is are we going to talk about kind of uh budget burn and mm-hmm. this is an amazing add to that deck because it's very I think expensive this is i think it's probably good a good burn. card in regular burn the one thing that i will say is that we've spoken about light up the stage another spectacle card and we've spoken about this and i don't think that you can play four of both of those cards and so what's interesting tension about burn right now is that you have these two new powerful one mana additions that if you are playing too many of them and you end up with a hand that's like two light up the stage and one skewer and then like lands in a creature and your creature doesn't connect, then you're like, my cards are all really bad. Right. Right. <laughs> so you so, have to kind of pick. I think the, this the, is I think a that, safer choice than light up than the other one, but the other one is definitely. a like is maybe a more powerful addition or something that Burn is needing more. Right. And I mean so that's what's it, interesting. You know, light up the stage, draws two cards, which is going to, in burn, often represent more than three damage because it'll be three damage in a land or three damage in a monastery right. Swiss spear or six damage or a Boros charm, which is four damage and something, you know? So it can represent more than three damage. This is like more consistent and will just always do the thing, mm-hmm. which you is great. Yeah. So I think like the numbers on the two cards is going to be interesting to see what shakes out. Maybe light up the stage is overrated and this ends up being the card. I don't think that this card will be overrated because it is Is pretty easy to evaluate. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Maybe light up the stage is overrated and this ends up being what you play. Or maybe you play four and two or two and two or... People I've talked to have also said that this card specifically is a good replacement for um, the red red landfall do damage and damage searing blaze because searing blaze requires a lot of things to be going for you in directions and this is just going to always generically be good like just- i agree with that i mean the advantage of searing blaze is that there are matchups like humans where you have to kill creatures or you will die and, searing blaze and if does you both. yeah like the problem with burn against humans is like you can generally ignore their creatures but like thalia is really annoying mm-hmm. and like you know Kaisel Freebooter is really annoying and you want to kill those creatures, but if you're directing your bolts at their creatures, they're basically getting card advantage and you'll just end up at a point where like you can't attack them on the ground because they have too many creatures. They ha- Their life total is too high. You're just top decking. There's, like, What are you supposed to do to hit them at this point, right? You've right. Like, spent your burn on their creatures instead of their life total. Like, You need to be managing your burn spells and hitting their creatures to kill them. And Searing Blaze is a card where you like kill their Kaisel Freebooter and deal damage to them. And it's like in burn where your cards are generally worth three damage to a player. It's like a two for one, which yep. is really valuable. Yep. I will say that light up the stage is also a two for one that allows you to gas back up later in the game so mm-hmm. that you can, you know, even though you had to spend cards to kill Thalia's and stuff, you also are killing their face. Right. No, I, I don't disagree. I, it, 
It's great. I mean, I like both of them. And I, yeah, I agree yeah, with yeah. you. Most just, as far as, as like play. just cutting searing blazes for skewers, I don't know that I can advocate for that because oh, like, I, and I don't, I'm not a burn specialist. This is I'm what not burn players have mentioned either. that I'm like just... <laughs> searing blaze might be the worst card in, in the deck to them. And yeah. bringing this in is maybe just a better option. I, I was thinking like that against... this replace, uh, what's the three mana to their face only for one red? Skullcrack? Skullcrack. No, no, not Skullcrack. One ender red? That's four. Oh, Lava Spike. Lava Spike. I don't think that this replaces Lava Spike, okay. but I think it replaces Skullcrack. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Skullcrack, I don't think is that good in the meta. It's two mana. No one's gaining life. Yeah. It, I, I think you get that one this more damage off Skullcrack? Skullcrack? No. Skullcrack it's three damage? Is, is three oh, then damage this replaces Skullcrack easy. Okay, cool. Uh, moving on. Next one is Sphinx of Foresight. This one is spicy. Sphinx of Foresight is a... Two blue, blue, four, four. You may reveal this card from your opening hand. If you do, scry three at the beginning of your first upkeep. Flying at the beginning of your upkeep, scry one. That first half is what's interesting about this card. Yep. Being able to get free scry threes at the beginning of a game in a combo deck and is obviously very valuable. There's a bunch of them playing something that does that. The other half of this is the fact that you get a four, fly, four a relatively decent threat in a deck that sometimes is looking for alternative win conditions when things are going wrong isn't the worst. Um, though I think the Scry 3 in the combo get try actually just using it to try and get to the cards you need to win is more relevant. Now, I think this is for a blue combo deck that wants a specific card more than something like Storm where you want a amalgamation of cards. So this would be something more akin to an Ad Nauseam deck or something just trying to win with as many... Like, like oh, if I get... Kiki Jiki and Splinter Twin into play at this, or and and Deceiver X Shark into play at the same time by getting these two cards. This is a better option to find that combo than necessarily something out of that deck. I look at this card as almost like a mulligan. <laughs> okay, so you have you have this card in your hand. It doesn't do anything. You're a four four flyer is like almost never going to be good in a deck where you're playing this like ad nauseum or something. For sure. Four. Four four flyer is just not gonna really gonna cut it in modern, like it's an okay backup plan. So you're really looking at a six card hand and you get a scry three instead of scry one. So it's a six card hand with a little bit better scry than if you actually just mulliganed. But I think that doesn't really add up to a good card for me because you also have bad cards in your deck if you're playing this. Because sure. you're pretty unlikely to have it in your opening hand unless you're playing four, which means you're playing four of this, and then you like you're going off with that nauseam, you're taking four extra damage. I mean, obviously that was a bad example because it's four drop and you right, don't right, take right. damage. But you know, it's like you're you're just drawing an extra Sphinx later in the game, and you're like, oh, this is so bad. Like, this is similar to Ley Lines, but the only time anybody's ever playing Ley Lines is when it's, like, a By card that you would easily cast. Like, yeah, yeah. Leyline of Sanctity out of Boggles is just, like, going to win you the game most of the time. Right. Leyline of the Void well, against Dredge is going to win you the game most of the time. Because, like, I've played Leyline of the Void in decks that, like, can't cast it. The, the, the issue with those is that you bring them in the matchups also that if you can get it in the play on turn zero, you win. Right, and you don't win by scrying three. You're like pretty right. rare to win, and you're like well, but you have but a, a dead card in your hand that four mana four do four that scries every turn is significantly better than a four mana enchantment that you have to cast, and then you just casted a four mana enchantment and did nothing on your turn. But it's a four mana enchantment that's like going good. to be very good. Yeah, sure. like it's true. You expect to play them on turn zero, and like in fact, you're probably mulliganing to them. But like this isn't something you would mulligan to because it's right. just too low impact. Well, what about in a blue red? Just like, and that's kind of why I was pointing at the the. Kiki Jiki combo kind of Splinter Twin when Splinter Twin was more of a um, tempo deck that just like would sometimes win with a combo environment where this is almost more of just like oh let me make sure I have threats and answers that I want and good lands more than anything else yeah but a lot of the time like matches will come down to card advantage and you just don't want 
to be to down, be down a, card. a card. Well, but this is a threat that is decent in a tempo combo tempo combo deck. Like just a, tap four mana for a four four in modern. That's what we're, return. we're doing. <laughs> yes, that comes with the fact that your draw is better the turn three turns beforehand. Yeah. Okay. Not into it. I'm not into it. Uh Taza Karlov. Is there a combo with Taza Karlov? Two white, black, two four. If a creature dying causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. Creature tokens you control have vigilance and lifelink. There might be a combo. I don't know it. Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. I assume there I haven't heard people talking about point. it. Yeah. So too. it's probably not very, very good if there point. is one. Um But it's card to watch out for. There yeah. there will assuredly be a combo at some point right being able to double anything has often led to especially on stuff like death triggers where like there's ways to loop that where when she's a human advisor right yep both relevant creature types yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, is there a way with blood artist and the two drop mill guy and this that you just go off i think there is i don't but while you're thinking about that, well, no, no, I'm going to move do, on I mean, to the like, next card. You, do like, <laughs> you blow yourself 12. You cast, uh, what's it called? You bring Black Blood Artist and all the dudes. Then you sack them all at the end of that turn. Oh, no, you exile them. Life is rough. Okay, moving on. Next well, card. You can bring back a sack outlet. But. Yep. I think Taza Karlov is a thing to pay attention to. There are things that are valuable that it does, and they just there may it may sometime be very valuable because of that. Thrash and Threat. Thrash is a red slash green, red slash green hybrid instant. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker you don't control. Does it planeswalkers? That's cool. Threat is a two green red sorcery. Create a four four red and green beast creature token with trample. I don't think this card's very good. You don't think the removal spell attached to a possible big threat is relevant? I just think four mana four four is not really going to cut it in modern because people are playing like zero mana four fours. Sure. And like one mana five fives or two mana five fives yeah. with Gurmag Angler or whatever, you know, I yep. just, yep, yep. I All think right. like both of these four mana four fours are just not really worth it. I mean, look at and the okay. removal spell is not good because they can blow you out with the, the removal f- spell of their own. What's green t- Gurmag Angler? Nibble Mongers? Hooting Mandrels. Hooting Mandrels. Doesn't see play. Nope. There you go. Done. Tide taker. <laughs> <laughs> one in a white. 2-1, human soldier, during your turn, creatures your opponent, spells your opponent's cast cost one more to cast, and abilities your opponent's activate cost one more to activate, unless they're mana abilities, afterlife one. Um, so one relevant thing to talk about, it's a human. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's bad Thalia. Bad Thalia. Um, it does die and get you things, so in matchups where you're worried about board wipes, this is slightly better. It, I mean, afterlife is the only thing that even makes this worth thinking about Correct. because Grand Abolisher is already a card in modern and that doesn't much, get played at all. Right, right, right. Like, I've, I don't think is I've Grand ever Abolisher seen a modern deck. Is it? Probably. I don't know, I don't know what other creature type it would I be. I don't either. Is Grand Abolisher... We don't have to look it up. All right. It's too late. I'm already looking it up. Oh, no. I was going to move on to Warren and Morden. That's the next card we're talking about. I'm pretty sure it's a human, though. Cool. It's a human cleric, yep. All right, so... Uh, the one thing afterlife it has on relevant. Grand Abolisher is that Afterlife is very relevant. I don't think it's relevant enough to make this modern playable card. Cool. Warrant. Warden. Warrant and Warden. Warrant is white and a blue, white and a blue. Instant. Put target attacking or blocking creature on top of its owner's library. Sweet art of Lavinia punching the viewer. Warden is three white, blue. Create a four, four white and blue Sphinx creature token with flying and vigilance. So, again, I think that a 5-mana 4-4, even with Flying and Vigilance, is not really going to cut it almost ever. I get that it's just like a secondary option, but I don't think that Warrant really excites me. Sure. Because it's basically just Azorius Charm, which sees no play, except the options are worse. 
because I would I rather have... I think a 4-4 flyer is better than one half, but the drawing a card is better. That's the, fair. The drawing a card option, I think, is better than, than the option four. of a 5-mana 4-4, four, four, sure. because a 5-mana 4-4 four, four is so rarely going to be good, whereas drawing a card is always going to be good, because there's good cards in your deck that you're going to draw. Yeah, I, think, I think the other blue-white hybrid split card is a better card. Agreed. The yep. one that makes two flyers and gains a bunch of life. It's definitely better, even though it's an uncommon, yeah. Yep. And it cycles for two. That's yeah. one of the reasons that it's good, I think. Right. Wilderness Reclamation is three and a green enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, untap all lands you control. So this is a card that people are talking a lot about for standard because of Nexus of Fate, which Nexus of Fate is a seven mana time walk that shuffles itself back into your deck, uh, and it's an instant. So what you can do with Wilderness Reclamation is, let's say that all you're doing is you're just playing Wilderness Reclamation on turn four, and then on turn five, you're playing nothing. And then you're floating your mana in response to the trigger, and you're floating your mana again, and now you have 10 mana with which to cast an instant on turn 5. So it more or less doubles your mana as long as you have instants. Mm -hmm. So you can, like, Nexus of Fate, you can... Isn't there a burn, instant burn spell that's blue-red? There's a... You can play Expansion Explosion to hit hit something for 6 and draw 6 cards. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that's the stuff you do in Standard. Uh, In Modern... Uh, there's probably not anything that you can do that's stronger than that. <laughs> uh, there's one. Uh, there is a oh, hit three me with mana. It. I'm excited. Three mana. Take an extra turn. Uh, don't untap your lands and, and during your next upkeep, but you untap your lands with Wild Reclamation. So you just. I mean, it's just take an extra turn, which is what. Okay, so this is maybe a strong taking turns card in modern as yeah. well because you're playing Nexuses and you play that card. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I think that this is like a little bit more vulnerable in Modern because the artifact and enchantment hate that exists in Modern is like Better. much stronger. And you're also like, turn four, you play this and you untap your lands immediately. So if you're playing counter spells, Romans and stuff is a card that uh, like taking yep. turns is more than happy to play in Cryptic Command. So you're like playing this on turn four, you're untapping with like Cryptic Command or Romand mana up mm-hmm. and you're just like, chillin'. And then on turn five, you like really start to do stuff, because you can float your mana, well, and, that deck, and then that untap play, that and float play, more mana. That deck plays Giga Drows and Cryptic Command like effects all the time. Yeah. So like untapping with Cryptic Command is really good. Untapping, and then like on their upkeep, Giga Drowsing them, so they tap all your their lands. Giga yeah. Drowsing the card, right? That's one blue, and then you can replicate yeah. it, or whatever. And it, it makes like boomerangs more interesting, because now you can like boomerang them untap your lands, cryptic command, bounce land, draw or something, right. and you're just like, ah, stone rain city, I'm taking extra turns, hey. Didn't you just say spending two mana to destroy a land is bad in this format? I did say that, but it's like <laughs> when you're doing it over and over, it's right, a little right, bit better. Right, it's, better. Um, it's also less conditional because you can hit actually just any land with boomerang. And you can hit a creature, not and you just can a, hit a creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boomer- Boomerang's a better card than Good. repudiate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry uh, to say. But Boomerang doesn't see that much play. So in taking turns, I mean, that's what we're talking even about. In taking right? turns, doesn't see that much play. They don't play that in taking turns no. anymore. What does taking turns come to? Uh, playing spells that are better than Boomerang. Boomerang. You sweet. and Ben like Boomerang, and it's meh. Does a lot. Okay. <laughs> Look, the Wilderness Reclamation version of this deck, I promise you, will be playing Boomerang. I don't promise that. It's yeah, that's a that's a bold promise. Maybe it's, maybe it's not gonna. Have uh, it will yeah. So this is the... this is a card that's great in standard, and like the tools in modern are even better because right. you can play this and untap into Cryptic Command, and you, you can, can Sphinx's Revelation be playing Remand. You can play Sphinx's mana. Revelation. Yeah. Expansion Explosion is better than Sphinx's Revelation in this style of deck because it's a win condition. Sure. Because these decks are always looking for a win condition. So like the versions of Nexus of Fate that are playing this in Modern have, like, Teferi as a win condition, so they're playing Bant, mm-hmm. sometimes Karn in any version. Yep. 
as a win condition just because like once you're taking once you're like drawing enough cards off of expansion explosions and stuff or teferis in modern in standard you're like drawing your nexus of fates with like other draw spells mm-hmm. and stuff and you're just playing a nexus of fate every turn in modern you get to play time warps and stuff too where you can like time warp on top of your lands right. you know do stuff on your end step draw more cards um and then so there's Teferis, and then there's the the team of versions that are playing like Expansion Explosion is like the primary wing con. And right. so it's like really important that you have this draw spell that you can just play turn five to draw six and kill their creature, but you can also win the game with it. Like that's pretty powerful. Um and also expansion explosion, you can like copy their counter spell to protect cards. Mm-hmm. I'm like I've been really impressed with expansion explosion in standard. Like I sure. it's a card that has a lot of words that I like on it. And I am really glad that it's as good as I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, Doan also brings up that uh, tapped lands, lands that enter the battlefield tapped in a control deck. This makes them better. I think that, that is true. Yeah. Like Celestial Colonnade now untaps. You can also like attack yeah. with Celestial Colonnade and then untap it. Uh, Celestial Colonnade has vigilance. But you, you untap the rest the of your lands. You untap you the rest of your lands. Yeah, yeah, That's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, or I mean, Celestial Colonnade maybe is a weird example, but like Raging Ravine. Sure. You can play with this and then or even like, like a, 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 it untaps right away. And then the next turn, you like tap out to attack with it and then you untap your lands again. More exciting to be on that is the bounce lands, I think, actually, of all of the lands to untap with after putting them to play. Like, But it, you're just, you're mana neutral at that point because you have one land in play. Sure. You play a second land that taps for two. You put your land back and then you untap well, and you have two mana normally you could have just played a normal played land with that first land used it for mana so you're up two mana that time one mana at that point but you could have just played an untapped land and played a two drop instead you're playing a one drop and then like you drew a card but like that's slow well the, with this in play this would be on turn five so you would pick something bounce land on turn five drop. nice <laughs> well, so you have a four mana enchantment in play all right uh cool all right um i think that's it that was the last card those are the cards we have uh, thank you, everyone, for coming on to the show. Uh, the main question that someone asked, we actually answered when we talked about kind of value burn decks. I think that right now there's a lot of really cool options for value burn, and yeah. I'm excited to see what Flame of Keld is another one that's making um, waves in standard. If you value burn players haven't played that, it's a spicy one. Look it up. Yep. Once again, big thank you to the Command Zone, Sister Podcast. They gave us a big shout-out earlier this uh, this year, and we really appreciate it. Um, big shout-out to our Patreon uh, uh, supporters, the fact that we are still working to get the sound better, hopefully sound better this week, uh, and we're just keep trolling on is because the Patreon helps us pay and afford for all this stuff. So thank you guys so much. And if you aren't donating there, please donate there. We're uh, working to figure out kind of a way to reinvigorate it. And if you can get in early, you'll be able to get early access to some cool stuff. Um, we will be on next week for our 200th episode. It's going to be a big deal. We're going to have a guest on and some other cool stuff. And you'll, you'll, we'll hear more about it as we get closer to that. It'll be uh, Tuesday evening. Um, we're going to try recording and doing live streams uh, on Tuesday evenings at 5. So if you can be on there, that's great. Um, make sure to check out the Facebook page. Make sure to check out the Twitter page. Uh, we are at the MMCast. I'm at Kess Wiley. Ben is at Ben Bateman Media. Michael is at Dudard. D-U-D-A-R-D-D. Had uh, to add the second D at the end. There's double Ds. Just taking another yeah. Dudard. Yeah. Was that your friend that also goes by that, or is that a different person? Nope, I don't think he has a Twitter. Oh, terrible. Uh, Craig is leaving. Craig, say hi, everybody. See you, Craig. Hey, guys. All right, and with Craig leaving, we're leaving. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.